All right, welcome back. Episode four of the Zone Motion podcast. I'm here with Buddy today. Uh, yesterday, Buddy got his haircut. Today, I got my haircut because <laughs> we care a lot about how we're presenting now on our on our podcast. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I want to just kind of pick up right where we left off. Last time we talked about lifestyle habits as the bottom level of the zone motion system pyramid. There are four phases in total. And so yesterday we talked about lifestyle habits, which was sleep, quality sleep, proper nutrition, and then mindfulness. So those are all very essential habits to incorporate when you are trying to enter the zone before you even step on the field, right? These are very important things to have in place so that your brain is going to function at a high level uh, before you even take the field. And so today we're going to build off of that and we're going to go up a level in the pyramid to phase two, which is what we call static state training and static state training. Uh, buddy, I'll, I'll kind of let you take it away. But my understanding of static state training is you're setting the mental and emotional foundation for zone experiences before motion begins. Exactly. We could uh, compare it to building, a, let's say we're building a 50 story building. And if the foundation is weak to any degree, the third, fourth, fifth story and everything that comes after it is going to be weak as well, to some degree. So the foundation of zone training, right, our pyramid, we talked about yesterday, right, the lifestyle habits. And then the second story, we'll call it, of the four-story building is static state training. And it's a state of mind that we want to be in prior to a motion beginning, right? We all want a smooth swing, perfect timing. We all want the ball to come out of our hand, like as I like to say, butter off a hot knife, just easy and effortlessly and perfect trajectory and perfect uh, efficiency, which is what happened to me in the World Series, but I had no idea how it happened, right? So with static state training, we wanted, we've got to prime the brain, okay? Basically what we're doing, we're, we're building the neuropathways, the neuroplasticity in the brain, our brain is flexible. So we're building those pathways so that as a byproduct, when we take the field, we're more easily able to access our best performance. And so static state training is a state of a bunch of drills that we do off the field, lots, lots of exercises off the field. That's essential, right? I used to think that, oh, you could do a few things, you know, do a little breathing when you get on the field and just kind of relax, which I did when I was coaching with my, my players. And it was very helpful. They all loved it. Um, but what I've realized over the years is you have to have daily routines, daily practices to, to start to really prime the brain, build and strengthen the neural pathways. Um, you know, there, there've been studies done now that if you're not learning new things, you're actually forgetting what you know. When I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's really scary. <laughs> you know, cause I don't know that much, <laughs> no. but anyway, no, but, um, so daily, daily practice of drills, static state training drills are essential on the field and off the field. So we also use on the field static state training drills. We kind of use uh, some ball toss drills where we use balls to help put someone in the right state of mind. So then when they go into the batting cage or go to the mound, um, their brain is more primed. The neural pathways are stronger. They're more connected to allow all the muscles to fire synchronistically, which is what we're after, right? As an athlete, we don't want a muscle imbalance, which is what so many pitchers are experiencing. And that's why that's the main, that's the primary reason for the injury epidemic. Can there be other reasons? Absolutely. There's no question about that. 
the primary reason for the injury epidemic in baseball with pitchers is because the brain is not in the right state when the pitcher is delivering the baseball. And there's a muscle imbalance, and those muscles are pulling on ligaments, tendons, and fascia. It's a big problem, right? And it affects the baseball. You're not getting as late a movement. You're not getting the higher spin rate. And that's all a byproduct of the brain not being in the right state. So the static state training is essential. If you want to be the absolute best player you can be in any sport, static state training is absolutely essential. Now, some people may not. Now, the thing about this, is, you know, someone can say, well, I'm hitting 330. I'm like, great. They don't know how much better they could do, right? And that's the unknown. We don't know what we don't know in life. We can't see what we can't see, and we can't remember what we forgot. And so when we start static state training and we start to see the results, it's like, whoa, I had no idea. I get players telling me that like that, you know, tell me that often. I had a player in town uh, the last few days working with him, a hitter. And it was amazing when his brain was really in the right state prior to getting in the batting cage, what happened? You know, it was so cool to see. And not only did he perform better, he felt better because it's the same process as we we spoke, I believe, on our second podcast, maybe our first one. It's the same process in the brain that allows us to feel good, that allows us to perform well. It's an increase in the theta brainwave state. Serotonin and oxytocin increase. So that's what we're after with the static state training um, to really strengthen, right, the neural pathways, right, in the brain so that the muscles can do what we want them to do. So I'm um, big fan of static state training. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You, you know, you said that the injury epidemic is caused by the brain being in the wrong state. You know, it's it's basically like if you don't have that mental and emotional foundation built or set, you sometimes you use the word setting setting one, right? Just setting yourself up so that you're that you're aligned and that your mental and emotional state is in the right place. Um, if you don't have that in in place, then you're kind of just forcing everything. And I believe one of the studies that was done, you know, looked at muscle recruitment and sort of how when the brain is in the right state, the kinetic chain is going to fire uh, exactly how it's how it's supposed to. Yeah, one of the one of the studies we did with uh, pitchers was EMG electromyography, where we where we measured the muscle activity. Um, and, and what we found and, and Dr. Kevin Witte who's an orthopedic surgeon who trained under Dr. Andrews, the, the go-to, really the guru, uh, along with Dr. Job of, uh, of Tommy John surgery. Uh, what Dr. Woody found, he does Tommy John surgery, by the way. What he found that we saw with the zone motion process, we saw an increase in the, in the, uh, in the uh, decrease in the lat muscle and an increase in the pec. And according to him, that would show more support for the shoulder. And then he said, and therefore, for the elbow as well. And that's how we've been able to, to have really good success at keeping guys free of injuries. Not 100%, but really, really great success in keeping guys healthy because all the muscles are starting to fire synchronistically. There's not an imbalance there. And the recovery time is you know really increases. You recover much more quickly. I had a pitcher uh, uh, last uh, week was in town from, from Washington, D.C. for three days, and he threw three days in a row, and he he says he's never thrown three days in a row. And so I texted him after he got back and I said, how do you, on day four, I said, how, you know, how do you feel? And he says, totally fine. And, and that's because the brain's in the right state. All the muscles are firing synchronistically. There's less wear and tear, less tug, you know, less tug. 
on ligaments and tendons, less fatigue, and um, and therefore we're going to remain remain healthier. Yeah, yeah. So that's static state. That it starts with the off field stuff, of course, lifestyle habits that we that we talked about last time. Because um, I believe I mentioned this when we talked about nutrition, is we want to keep inflammation low because high inflammation is going to put more stress on your soft tissues. It's going to cause more joint pain and stiffness. And so that's definitely part of it before you step on the field, but then a really crucial part before you take that first swing, throw that first pitch is the, is getting the mental and emotional uh, state set with, with static state training. And so I want to dive into a little bit more about what, what static state training is actually all about. You say that there's, there's three, uh, mental and emotional skills that we're actually training for. And the first one is acceptance. Right. The, the, the first thing that's essential is to accept whatever's going on inside of you. And as humans, that can be very, very difficult when we're feeling a little unsettled, when we're feeling a little nervous before a game. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, what I used to do, Colin, is, you know, I've told you is, you know, I'd go make myself a sandwich before the game just to try and settle my nerves, you know, and I didn't realize at the time really what I was doing. But in that moment, I was not accepting what was going on inside me, how I was feeling, the unsettledness. And um, so that's that's the, the first step. And prior to game one of the World Series, I was sitting in my locker with 20 minutes to go before game one. And I just really felt this intense fear. It just kind of overtook me. And uh, I was forced just to sit there and, and really allowed it to dissolve. And what happened next was I grabbed my bat, my helmet, my glove, and went down and waited for my name to be introduced uh, in front of millions of people all over the world. And I went out and played arguably the seven best baseball games of my whole life, not just my professional career, but amateur as well. And I attribute that to a big part of it to um, really accepting in that moment what I was feeling. Um, so acceptance is really, really key and quite often you know, we're not aware of that. We're not accepting. We're di we're distracting ourselves. And my experience in working with hundreds of athletes and, and executives and salespeople is they're not always aware of the unsettledness in the brain and the body and the nervous system. And, uh, you know, we've got to really get the nervous system to a state to where there's fluidity of energy and we can really lock in. That's when we naturally become very focused, um, very centered. We're very aligned, right? We're aligned. And then we take action. Right. One one big issue, not just in in in, in baseball or, or sports, but also in, in the regular world is we're not aligned as we're taking action. Right. Action's important. Right. We, we can be aligned, laying on the couch, feeling great and get nothing done in life. That's not what we want. We want to be aligned and then we take action. Boom. And that's where the magic happens. Things happen much more easily um, the way we want them to happen. But so often people are just taking action, taking, oh, I got to get this done. I got to do this, got to do this. Here's my to-do list, which is good. Nothing wrong with to-do list. I've got them right here, okay? But we want to be aligned and then we take action. We're better able to create what we want. Yeah, and I, I think I mentioned, I think I said acceptance, but actually awareness comes even before that. Exactly. Um, and so we, it's, it's kind of like this downstream process. Uh, so we, we left off last podcast talking about mindfulness and mindfulness is really the, the practice of finding comfort in the, the present moment. And so that starts with awareness. And we, we walked through, you know, the breath awareness box breathing last time. Um, and so those are those are good for getting started and changing the physical structure of the brain. But I think emotional awareness is a little bit more difficult for a lot of people. 
and and I I dare say especially men. Uh, I I think predominantly you've worked with male athletes, and so even just tuning into to the awareness of emotions when you're feeling them, because I think a lot of times when we're not used to it, and this is why mindfulness is also important when we're not used to practicing awareness of emotions, there's no space between the stimulus and the response. So when something happens and you get upset about it, like you get cut off in traffic, for example, uh, it's just, you know, the thing happens and then you're immediately angry or scared or whatever it is. Like the emotion, just the reaction just happens like that. But the reality is there is a small, small space in there. And awareness is the process of tuning into that small space. And over time, you can start to expand it. Uh, And that's where that's where the real power lies. Yeah, so so well stated. Um, You're exactly right. And that's, you know, it's the the knee jerk reaction, right? That is not uh, that, you you know, a knee jerk reaction is a byproduct of not being aware of that space. You know, I, I like to tell the story, you know, you're you're walking, you're walking down the street at five years old and you get bit by a dog, you know, and then you're 25 and you're walking down the street and you see a dog, you think it's going to bite you, right? Well, there's no, there's no relationship, but in your nervous system, there is. And that's what causes people to not be aware of the space. And they're just, they have the knee-jerk reaction. And so being aware of that space, having the awareness, doing the daily practices that are going to increase your awareness is key to being able to get to, oh, I notice this. Oh, I'm going to accept this, right? Like you said, awareness is first, then we accept, and then we move on, which I'll let you lead into. Yeah. So awareness, awareness comes first. Acceptance naturally follows when you, when you start to become more aware. And then, you know, whether it's an emotion or an expectation, ultimately you say that the, the power of static state training culminates in complete detachment. So what it, what is detachment? Because I think a lot of people have have misconceptions about about what that means. Exactly right. So we, we we're never going to forget what we want. Let's just say we're a hitter or a pitcher or a salesperson making a sales sales call. We're not going to forget what we want, right? And when we can have our system, our nervous system, our brain body connection in a state to where we are feeling very centered and where we're more interested in feeling good than the outer result, right? That is detachment. And so when we do that in sports, when we train the brain, train the brain, train the body, build the neural pathways, then we're better able to become aware, accept it, what's going on inside of us, and detach from getting the hit or throwing the strike. You're never going to forget you want to get a hit or throw a uh, strike, right? And the whole key is to best access that is to detach. And that's a neurophysiological experience that we teach that the athlete knows, oh yeah, this, this must be the case. Because, you know, basically what's happening is when you're focused on the outcome, focused on the outcome as you're taking action, from a from a um, energetic perspective, there's some fear attached, right? There's the and you're a little disconnected in that moment. Channels kind of close up. You're not able to access it, right? And so when we can really detach, right? This you know intellectually you know is is easier than than really neurophysiologically detaching. The whole key is to neurophysiologically detach from the outcome 
then we're better able to experience what we want, get the sale, get the hit, throw the strike. It almost seems like a, a fundamental law of nature that when you detach from what you want, you get what you want. And I've, I've noticed this. I think I said this on a, on a previous episode, but for me, I tend towards impatience and I tend towards, you know, pushing, and you know, sometimes trying to force outcomes that I want. But when there's not just, like you said, not just an intellectual detachment, but when there's this real feeling of detachment, like I am not, I don't desire this outcome anymore. That's when it happens. And it's just this, it's this, it's an undeniable feeling. And yeah. it's where the fear that when, when that fear is released, the desire is released. It's just, it's, it's, it's almost beyond words, right? It's just, an, it's an experience. It's a state of allowance, right? It's so allowance is so po powerful because you're not allowing your, you know, you're trying to control and manipulate and, you know, there's fear attached and, you know, it, it doesn't work very well. It doesn't mean you can't achieve something in life, right? You can, but we want ease. We, we want, we want to walk around with ease, very aligned as we take our action, enjoy the process, trusting that it's all happening, right? Trusting that it's all happening, right? We want to depend on science. We want to depend on processes in your brain and your body to create it. Yeah, absolutely. So it starts with awareness, then it moves on to acceptance, and then finally there's there's detachment. What are the kinds of things that a baseball player or any any athlete? What do you find that that they're they need to detach from most like where where are a lot of where do a lot of guys get stuck in terms of where they're maybe attaching a little bit too much well first off they may not be aware and they may not be accepting and then it becomes impossible to detach right so but generally where they're not detaching is from hey i want to get a hit tonight right or hey i want to have a good outing Right. They're, they're, they're basically they're depending on hope in those moments instead of alignment. Right. And sometimes they, they achieve it, you know, but what happens, you know, when a pitcher goes out, you know, five days ago in his start, he throws, you know, whatever, seven innings, give up two hits, no walks and strikes out 10. And then the next outing he goes out and throws two and a third, gives up five hits and walks three guys and strikes out one. You know, how can that happen? Is because the team he faced, you know, five days later was so good, much better than the team he faced five days ago, or was something just he wasn't completely in tune, and therefore there was inconsistency. So when you're not aligned, you're not going to have sustainable confidence, right? You know, because you don't understand confidence. If you don't understand the workings of the brain and the brain-body connection, your confidence is going to vacillate. Like mine did my whole career. Every day I went to the park. Well, I hope I, you know, put my uh, lucky Bruce Springsteen T-shirt on, my right leap before my left, right? All the things I did, right? To just kind of, well, I'm going to depend on hope again, you know, without really understanding at a deep, deep level the intricacies of the brain and how it works and how it connects to the body and how it affects the muscles and, and all. Well, then there's no hope. Then confidence becomes sustainable, you're going to enjoy. You're going to enjoy life much more so. You're telling me all those sandwiches you made all those years didn't didn't have a direct effect on your on your performance? Is that what you're saying, buddy? <laughs> it had a direct effect on my gut. 
<laughs> but not, not my performance. <laughs> it's it's funny those stories that we tell ourselves though. You know, like I have to do this in order for, no. for this to get results. And I'm I'm someone who has like a ton of OCD, right? And so I, I used to think like I gotta do this breathing in the morning or else something bad's gonna happen, you know, like almost yeah. like if I don't do it, if I don't do things in the in this exact way, yeah, then I will not perform well. And it's just when, once you understand the science and the and the truth behind it, then uh, I think it definitely gives people uh, an opportunity to to set themselves up for success that's not based on fear. Because I yeah, think exactly. all the superstitious things that we do are ultimately just fear based. Exactly, and you you know, and you know, you and I both work very hard. We, your work ethics is second to none, and and we, you know, we've it's been a long journey for me with you know to get where we are now with Zone Motion, and and I've worked very hard as well. But it's the alignment that is that is more important. I was having this conversation with a, a new client of mine, professional pitcher, and uh, you know he 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 was coming from the same camp as you were about. Oh, you got if I don't do this extra sprint, or if I don't do this extra whatever uh, shoulder press or whatever whatever, um, that I'm not gonna it's not gonna happen for me. I'm not gonna get there. I'm not gonna get to the big leagues, right? And he's starting to realize that that's that's to total myth. It doesn't mean we don't run our sprints. doesn't mean we don't do our shoulder presses. All the things we know we need to do, we do do them. But when we've had enough, we want to listen to the body and say, oh, that's enough. And not have the fear creep in that, oh, I'm not going the extra mile today. It's not going to, that's not it. I like to tell people that if you're going to do something that's not good for you in life, whatever it is, if you're going to eat a bowl of ice cream or, you know, a large pizza all by yourself, if you're going to do something in life that's not good for you, the only thing worse than doing something not that is not good for you is to feeling bad about doing something that's not good for you because that's what's going to take you out of alignment more so than the food i'm not promoting eating a large pizza tonight by yourself colin you get the point i think you just gave everybody permission to ignore all the lifestyle habits <laughs> right. a pizza hut and dominoes they're gonna love me now right yeah yeah we'll get yeah, some they probably they'd sponsor this podcast right now yeah yeah um, yeah, and I, I definitely, I, I, I think I struggle with that as well, right? It's like putting yourself in double jeopardy yeah. for those things, not even realizing that it's, it's kind of all in your head. And, and, you know, my fiance, she tells me this all the time, right? She's like, you just over, you know, you overthink with this stuff, right? Like with nutrition, like I love talking about nutrition. I love it. And I love practicing it. But there comes a time where life you know, gets in the way, you might go out to eat with friends, you might have something that's maybe not the perfect meal with the perfect macronutrients and, and whatnot. But you telling yourself that it's not good is going to, is going to put you in a worse state than just accepting. it. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy the cheat. Yep. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I, I'd be curious, maybe the listeners would, would like to know as well is, maybe a specific uh, example of what static state training might look like. If So if you're coaching me and I'm about to step up to the plate and you want me to practice awareness, acceptance, and detachment, uh, what are, what are some of the things or maybe just the cues that you give to a, a hitter who's stepping up to the plate, who wants to, you know, set up their mental and emotional foundation for success? Right. Good, good question. So, um, Prior to stepping up to the plate, you, you, it's important to do things, you know, during the day, right, that are helping you set one, 
that are building, continuing to strengthen the neural pathways, which is essential because if you're not strengthening, they're going to weaken. Um, especially when the outer experience is important in life, you know, the neural pathways will get, because you're going to be attached, right? So doing things on a regular daily basis, you know, we're going to have our app that players can listen to and, and do all that. But so doing things on a regular basis are essential to, for when you are ready to step up to the plate. So the different techniques and meditations and breathing techniques that we're, you know, we're teaching along with, the uh, the integration of the of the mechanics, which we'll get to in another podcast. Um, I would, you know, if you had, let's just say you were coming up fourth in the inning, you could go in the, in you know a side room outside the dugout, and we use balls. We kind of drop balls that really help you be in the in the, in the moment, completely in the moment. When we're completely in the moment, that's when all the all the muscles fire synchronistically, and so that's what these ball drills are designed to do. Where um, you know you'll have your hands out you know, and I'll drop one or the other ball or both of them and you'll just catch them. And so what, what happens over time with this type of training on the field, not the field is there's no unnecessary movement as you catch the balls, which is what we want as an athlete, as an athlete, we don't want any unnecessary movement. Any unnecessary movement is a byproduct of information, not getting in the middle of the brain or the back of the brain, in front of the brains intercepting the signals. And so Drills like that, you know, are some of the drills we use to get a, get a hitter ready to go go to the plate, get a pitcher ready to, you know, go out and and, th and throw an inning or a couple innings, whatever. So um, that's an example of one. Yeah, and it seems like with with the unnecessary movement, it stems from being attached to an external result, right? So if, for the ball drill, for example, like if you're attached to that external result you're going to make those unnecessary movements because you're anticipating too much because you yeah. really want to catch the ball. And so the, the job I, is from my understanding is you want to be aware of that anticipation and that feeling of, of anticipating catching it, accept it for what it is, and then ultimately detach and don't even think about catching the ball. Yeah. And, and the athlete starts to have that experience where they're, they're completely detached and, and they know there's a fine line between being 99% detached and 100% detached, right? And when they're 100% detached, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing how the body moves, how the body adjusts. And um, I've seen amazing things over the years um, with the power of detachment. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Uh, I, I feel like we covered, we covered everything within uh, static state training. There's obviously a lot more drills that you teach that are specific to whether you're a pitcher or a hitter or a hockey player or a salesperson, right? There's, yeah. I mean, there's drills that anybody can do that are going to help them in their scenario, set that mental and emotional foundation before the motion begins, before the action begins. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really great for, for everybody listening to understand that theoretical foundation, but then also to understand that there is a very practical element that goes into this uh, with the, with the stuff that buddy trains. So uh, that's, that's kind of all the questions I, I had for you. Do you have any closing notes, buddy on, on static state training? No, just that it's essential. I mean, if you're an athlete, especially in this day and age um, where I think our world's more competitive than ever before. And if you don't have a static state training program, um, you're falling way behind. I, I hate to scare people like that, uh, but I, you know, and speaking to major league clubs and knowing what a lot of major league clubs are doing, 
or not doing, as I think I said in the, the last podcast, they have no idea how far behind they're falling. You know, they say, well, we're going to, we're going to get there. I mean, they're falling way behind and the edge when you're utilizing static state training and also dynamic training and proper integration techniques, um, how it expedites development and really, really enhances performance. So, um, um, Hopefully, you know, people are starting to realize that the brain is the next frontier in sports. And uh, so hope everybody who's listening will take some action and uh, become more aligned to get the brain prime, brain primed so the body can do what we want it to do. Yeah, and I think there's there's two schools of, of people that maybe this messaging is for. One is the the group that uh, does know that they are struggling, does know that they have a problem, but maybe isn't aware of what the solution is. I think this this concept of static state training is important and maybe maybe people are, are really noticing that through what we've talked about. And then there's the camp of people who don't even realize that they have the problem at all. And so that's where the awareness has to really start right there, right? With the first step in static state training. Right. Um, so wherever you are, right, maybe you maybe you have a lot of awareness, maybe you do a lot of mindfulness, um, but you struggle with the acceptance and the detachment, then that's, you know, that's where you you definitely need to focus your training. Um, and then on the on the flip side, you know, if, if you're not aware of the problem, awareness is awareness is the best thing for, for you. So it's always the first step. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all we got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You know, let us know in the comments. Let us know um, on Facebook, Instagram. We'll be posting you know clips from this episode, and you can see all all of these episodes uh, on Spotify. You can also watch them on on Facebook, uh, and I believe on YouTube. I might have forgotten to post the last one on on YouTube, but I'll put up I'll put up all the episodes there. So, uh, thanks for watching, and this is Buddy and Colin signing off. Thanks.